Hey, free for a catch-up. Hello, and welcome to Free for a Catch-Up, the podcast that digs a little deeper. I'm Amanda. And I'm Esther. And today's question is... Work-life balance. Does it exist? Oh! <laughs> Does it exist, <laughs> Esther, in your life oh. currently? Oh, um, okay. Whether it exists in general and whether it exists in my life are two separate <laughs> questions. <laughs> It's something that was asked, I think. Somebody did ask that yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. Um, before answering this question, though, I, I would uh, like to point out that the question itself is in, in, in built in it is the implicit assumption that um, work is separate from life because mm-hmm. it's a work-life balance, not a mm-hmm. work-work balance or a life-life balance. So, yes, implicit in that question is, um, is that basically if you, have, if you dedicate time to your work that you don't have a life. So I, I'm, I'm not sure whether, how that feeds into the answer. Well, maybe we need to define what we mean by work and what, mean, what we mean by life then. We've talked a lot about work, I suppose, because it is a topic that, first, I think people are generally interested in, and second of all, is dominates a lot of people's lives. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I guess in that, like the, the work part, you know, working... To what you do for your day-to-day job, yeah. To in order sustain to sustain your livelihood, yep. okay? And life... Anything that doesn't constitute that. <laughs> I guess life in this context is then now my own, um, so things that I want to do for myself. Okay. So like hobby, Running, yeah, um, going yeah. to the museum, painting. <laughs> museum. Hey, don't laugh. I went to the museum the other day because well, I just needed some downtime. <laughs> oh, that's so cultured. When I want downtime, I just, I don't know. I don't go to a museum. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done it in a while. But I read I or something. I need to. Oh. Yeah, just like yeah. So that's yes, I will admit now those are the type of things I do <laughs> when I need some like off time. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, at the moment there's not really, there's not much of that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Socializing, I suppose. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I think everyone works differently. Like some people, um, you know, they unwind by by just having some quiet introspective time at a museum. Maybe <laughs> other people. I guess the extroverted people would draw energy from other people, talking to other mm. people. Um, so that, yeah, I suppose that's that's also another point. Um, so does it exist? I think for some people, yes. <laughs> um, but I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Probably, probably everyone. I don't know if anyone would find it easy, necessarily. Unless, I suppose, you're... Um, <laughs> I don't know, even if you bring your work home, like, and you're like, that's, that's, that's not really, is that balanced per se? Like mm, what, I, what would yeah. make a balanced life? I guess it's, it's very individual depending on what you want as a person, like how much effort you want to put into your, or your work and your life. And if you're mm. okay with bringing your work home, I personally made a conscious decision even before I entered the workforce fully, I told myself I would never bring any work <laughs> home. To me, it's very separate. Like. What oh. I do at work, if, as much as possible, keep it at work in the physical workplace. So can I ask though, that's like, obviously that's like bring physical work. So as in, as in like you're not bringing files home or, mm. um, or like, you know, logging on your computer and checking emails and stuff. But, um, so that's the physical aspect. What about yep. the mental aspect? Are you checked out mm. or are you still thinking about work? Cause is that, is that then still yeah. bringing work home? Um, <clears throat> I try, as, this is currently, I try my best at the end of every day to try and tie everything up. And just make sure I leave those like yeah, leave the mentality of work at work, right? 
And then mm. I have quite a, it's a moderately long journey home. So I guess 40 minutes door to door. So then from then I make sure I switch off, like mm. listen to music, listen to podcasts, uh, read the Bible or listen to the, uh, hymns or something on the train. Yeah. Then that to me is like a very distinct yeah. <laughs> end of work and yeah, start yeah. of not work. Okay. <laughs> start of your life. <laughs> That so when you when you so it sounds like you're what they call a segmenter. Yes. So we listened to this podcast the other day yeah. that talked about work life balance. So yeah, just, yeah. So know. it's by um, Adam Grant, who's this calls himself a organizational psychologist. So and fancy, he, I know. And his his ambition is to make work not suck, which I love. <laughs> um, but he yeah, he's very very evidence based. So I'd recommend that you can go have a listen to his podcast. Mm-hmm. But he talks about yeah, you're right. So um, he had an interview with uh, Ariana Huffington, who's like a very power lady CEO, yeah, businesswoman, yeah, mogul. Yeah, but she found herself, um, I suppose, overworked mm. to the extent that it was actually encroaching on her health. Health. Yeah, yeah. That story was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So okay. I guess that's a very extreme scenario. But the point of work balance, I suppose, is to avoid that. Mm. Right? So then, yeah, so some <clears throat> part of the research was saying you can be either an integrator mm. or a segmenter. Yeah, so there's two types. So you sound like you're a segmenter. <laughs> so sure. segmenters are people, yeah, who have a very clear boundary between their work life and their the rest of their life. <laughs> and they, like you said, they don't let it encroach into their life life. <laughs> Whether that be a reflection of how interested they are in work, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if there's a direct correlation between that, but, or is it, nor is it a reflection of how interested you are. It no, just I don't means think you have, so. yeah, you it's, prefer to have Yeah, you boundaries. might have clear definition of what, mm. yeah, when, which aspect of your life it plays out when. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other type are the integrators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I th- actually thought you were an integrator. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? Wow. What would you say that? Well, let's define integrators first. So they're the ones that are um, okay to consciously meld yes. their work um, with their non-work life. So either whether that be bringing things home or mm. like actually if you've got kids, bringing kids into to the work. workplace. Yeah, that was a very interesting discussion they had yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I – yes, I, I, I suppose I – because unlike Amanda, I don't um, – I don't commute to work. I actually walk to work. So for me, there's, you know, unless I learn how to switch off in that, you know, 15 minute walk from the office to my home, mm. <laughs> um, I don't really have that seg- that segregation. Um, I would say that, yeah, I'm an aspiring segmenter. Because <laughs> so, I think I, I, I wish to, to have it segmented. Um, actually, I was going to mention, sorry if I'm di- diverging a little bit, but okay. I was about to say as much as I am a segmenter with um, like commercial work, I'm actually an integrator when it comes to ch- like doing church work. Uh, I, I'm, I find myself switched on all the time, yeah, like yeah. even at work or if I'm at home, like I'm always thinking about it. I don't know whether that's uh, productive or not, <laughs> but as in at least this year particularly, there's a lot of things that have to be done. And mm. I just feel like I can't leave it till the last minute or the end of the day because it's not my prime, like, thinking time. Oh. So it's either during my lunch breaks or, like, sometimes if I'm walking up to this, like, from the station up to work, I'll be thinking about what less like, the lesson that I'm going to teach mm. or, um, okay, with the upcoming, like, session, like, how am I going to prepare this? Mm-hmm. So that that's how I integrate, like, the right, right. things that I have to I, do. I suppose it's also harder to segment that because, like, you can't 
only do church work at church, you know what I mean? Like, you got to prepare, so you have to do that at home, or you have to mm. do that. I guess you don't have to do it on the train on the way, as in not everyone I do do it on the train <laughs> sometimes, I'm like, pull out my phone and work on my Google Doc. <laughs> no, that's good, that's good. But I guess in that in that case, like, so we've got work-life balance, but we've also got a point, as a point that, you know, how do we, where, where does church, church fit into that? In, yeah. Like, it's not work, and it's, I suppose I suppose it comes under life <laughs> in that yeah. balance. Yeah, I suppose. Mm. I mean, I guess... Like, with, with church work, it's, it has to be integrated. I don't mm. see how it can't be integrated in your life, because you can't... It's not confined just to the time you spend on Fridays and Saturdays. Mm. So, in that sense, it's, it's different from work work, which, you know, for the most part, should be done during working hours. <laughs> <laughs> However, that is defined for most people. <laughs> um... But but actually, um, I'm pretty sure that was it in the podcast they said that one of those groups has a higher risk of cardiovascular mm-hmm. disease. Yeah, so for, uh, <coughs> it's the integrators that have higher risk. That's quite interesting. I wonder wonder why there's maybe they in bringing home their work they also bring home all the stress as well. Mm. Um, but also, I think like if you're a segmenter, I think that works if you if you work very um, I suppose. Con- Defined hours, maybe. Yeah. It's like, for example, if I have a conference call that I take at, like, you know, late at night, like, I can't, I can't be like, I'm at home and I, and I'm switched off now, like, I yeah. have to work, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's why this whole issue comes to play now, because I guess traditionally you'd work in, you know, the field and you just work during daylight <laughs> hours. You what know, am I, like, a crop old Chinese lady? <laughs> yeah, this is, like, you know, ages and thousands of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then as, as due to industrial revolution and machinery and now you have the ability to just log in on your phone Mm. be switched on all the time and and then that also sets i guess expectations Mm. of being able to engage and work even though you're not in physically in the workplace and Mm. outside of your office hours Mm. um that was actually a point that Ariana huffington made in the podcast it's like um and she's discussed on other podcasts before as well but she reiterated in the um in the adam grant podcast but yeah she like you mentioned it's the whole idea of like when the industrial revolution came that machinery became so it it replaced a lot of sort of manual labor and um now i suppose people have a view that uh, humans are machines <laughs> and, and one of the benefits of having machinery is that there's little um or reduced downtime and so mm. it increases efficiency and productivity um and so now people have equated that to 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 something that humans should do mm. like we shouldn't have downtime and that that's something that is counterproductive but actually like having downtime is itself a productive exercise so mm. maybe it's having that like mindset yeah and i think that's the whole point of of this whole concept of work-life balance like you need to have some boundaries somewhere in order to give yourself the room and the space to breathe and reconnect <laughs> and um i saw a quote it said you know, destroy the idea that you have to be constantly working or grinding in order to be successful. Embrace the concept that rest, recovery, and reflection are essential parts of the progress towards a successful and ultimately happy life. So that's saying like that you it's not you don't need to be on and working all the time. You mm. need to also give yourself that time off mm. uh, mentally so you can calm down and also just re refresh and reset. Mm. I think the point of um, you switching off mentally is really important because I suppose there'd be some people who don't work, say, super long hours, but they're not, like, maybe as mentally switched off or they're still thinking about it. And then I think that can equate to being um, to not having adequate rest as well. Mm. Um, yeah. But I also read a really interesting article um, 
also, again, uh, by Adam Grant, mm -hmm. but he was talking about how just because you've got uh, X number of hours in a day, you need to actually use those hours efficiently. So it's not about um, trying to reduce... Okay, we know that meetings are often <laughs> sometimes <laughs> useless, <laughs> non-essential, uh, and they can go, like, it just drags on. And, and sometimes they're just, yeah, counterproductive because you don't have resolutions to the end and it actually creates mm. more problems. But the, the trick is actually to... Um, have like a better time allocation. Yeah, so, maximizing the yeah. the time that you have to do to use it in the in the most efficient manner. Because mm. I, I think the problem as well is that we have a, an attention deficit. Our attention spans are only I would sorry. say an hour long. Did you know, sorry? Did you must be? I listened to podcast today. And apparently, scientists have determined that we humans now officially have shorter attention span than goldfish. What? <laughs> I have no idea how they ascertain this, but. That's pretty funny. And by the way, goldfish do not have uh, three-second memories. Yeah, that so is it's definitely. That. Do you have a, uh, an exact time no, duration? No, they didn't give a duration, but they just said that it was shorter. I mean, I have no idea how they'd measure the mm. time span of a goldfish. I don't... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> now swim in this direction. Now swim in this direction. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We should probably yeah. read up this paper. Are you sure it's legitimate? No, uh, it, it sounded legitimate. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe we should uh, look Doris before we fully endorse this finding. <laughs> but I just found it hilarious if that was actually true. Um, okay. But that, that came off the back of comments in the podcast about uh. about how, you know, I think everyone everyone knows this, the whole idea of um, everything comes instantly now. And so mm. um, that has bred, that has actually, like, induced, like, cognitive changes in humans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's actually quite... And because, we you know, like, neuroplasticity is a real thing that um, that can... It's legit. Yep. <laughs> like, I think, if you think, okay, maybe, let's take, with the advent of smartphones, like, has your attention span? Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Do you remember your life before smartphones? Do you remember my yeah. life before smartphones? <laughs> I'm still in high school. <laughs> yeah. And that's us. Can you imagine kids now who are mm. given iPads when they're, like, one or two years old? And they're difficult if you're not ever put in that situation where you have to train your brain to mm. stay focused for so long. Mm. Which is probably why there's a lot of issues in terms of, um, yeah, attention. And behavioural issues and, yeah, this is spiralling into a different topic. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, so we were talking about attention management as opposed to time management. So it's actually prioritising the people and the projects that matter um, and, and also it's the art of focusing on things uh, at the right time for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. So also capitalizing on your attention span. So if you work better in the morning, then do more mundane tasks in the morning. Mm -hmm. Another suggestion was work, uh, do, do a task that's moderately interesting and then let's follow it with like a very, like a boring task and then save your most exciting task as ah. a reward at the end. <laughs> So what happens then if you start if you start to realize that your so-called balance is coming out of balance? Yes, yes. So, um, so we or I guess we didn't have, technically answer the is it does work-life balance exist? <laughs> but we can hopefully equip ourselves with ways to, like you said, to be able to prioritize tasks according to their, um, I guess, level of importance um, and sort of um, in what order you should do them. Yes. So. Um, one of my f like favorite all time books, and this is a, like a big, you know, oh, it's like, it's like picking a, I don't know, your favorite child or something because <laughs> not that I have children, but <laughs> um, like, so one of my favorite books of all time is, um, the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the reason why I like that book so much is because it's timeless and it's just, 
it just conveys messages that are that hold true over time. Like this book was written a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's passed away. <laughs> like he's mm-hmm. it's that old, and he's that old. So, but the the messages um, still ring true today. And so there's um, he's introduced this concept. Um, it's a quadrant. So I think a lot of people have probably heard of this, but they may not know where it originated. But basically this quadrant, um, it allows you to determine um, basically what's uh, in what order you should do things, I suppose. And so it's the importance versus urgent quadrant. Mm. So um, in other words, you, you drop yourself a quadrant. Um, on sort of the top left, you've got um, important. And then um, sort of going down, it's not important. And then you've got urgent and not urgent. And so tasks are categorised into four, one of four categories. So they're either important and urgent. Those are things that you should do. They can be important and not urgent. They can be um, in, not important, not and, important urgent. and urgent. And then not important or, and not urgent. And those things probably should just never be done. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true, actually. Some of that is... I think you need to yeah. do some, but it's just when. Yes, and the amount of time spent on each. Yes. And so he's saying, obviously, the important and urgent things should be done um, now, and also they should be done. <laughs> mm. um, but uh, the, the reason why he brings that um, point up is actually that he said that the things that are important and not urgent are the things that effective people, or successful people, I suppose, focus their, their attention on, mm-hmm. because they're the things that can get lost, because um, they're important, but because it's not urgent, all the urgent things... Um, become more pressing yeah so for example like things that are not important and urgent those things can really really um have a deleterious effect on like your productivity i suppose like yeah how about those items that sit in the important but not urgent category yep and you hold them off they'll eventually become urgent Urgent. as time progresses yeah yeah so it's a dynamic quadrant but you can um i find that this is actually really useful and Mm. And you've oh, I've you've been got using a, this for a long time. Did you know it was from that Stephen Covey I book? I didn't, but oh, I, yeah. so I learned about it from an uncle in church. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Someone else mentioned that to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. been one of the most, like, whenever I get bogged down and there's a lot of things to do, mm. this is when I pull out that, that mm. um, the, the matrices. Yes. Like, that quadrant actually is very practical, so I do recommend that anyone, um, anyone who is after, like, a very practical way of um, prioritizing is... It is. It ultimately comes down to priorities, and priorities is a term that's just you know thrown around all the time. But then when people say that, you're like, okay, like how do I do that? Do I just write down all the things I have to do in a day, and then I just prioritize them based on what? And so mm. this quadrant gives you two um, metrics or parameters to look at, which are importance and urgency. Um, and that's not to say that you can't ever do things that are not important or urgent, like museums. Maybe then in none of those <laughs> quadrants, then it's not important or urgent. But yeah, it's all about. Um, yeah, it's all about focusing on the, the important and the urgent tasks and also the important and not urgent. Yeah. Because I think importance trumps urgency. No, urgency no? actually urgency trumps, trumps importance. importance. Yeah. So if you've got something mm. due tomorrow, but it's not that important, but it's due tomorrow, you have no choice uh, to do it. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Like, for example, bills. Bills are important, <laughs> yeah. but they're as important as something else. But it's urgent because yeah, it's due yeah. tomorrow, so you've got to pay them. Yes, but if you should just rely on, you know, direct debit or things like that that can increase your <laughs> increase your automation and technology. And, and, well, yeah, we're, we're going in on, one huge circle. We, we are. You know, the number one biggest excuse that everybody gives for not being able to do anything is that I don't have time. <laughs> But I would argue that you have as, as same amount of time as everybody else. else. Yeah. <laughs> so it's how you, again, I guess 
prioritizing manage your time mm-hmm. but also taking ownership of your time and especially i guess we were talking about how you need to rest and recover and, ref- and refresh so also making like carving out that time in your timetable for yourself <laughs> yes <laughs> because sometimes that does require you to say no to things mm. but i think we have a lot of like um expectations about social <laughs> engagements or like if someone asks you to do something that you'd say yes mm. <laughs> it's that obligation that that the guilt that you have if you don't say that you can do it mm-hmm. um so yeah one of the tips that we was discussed was um actually learning how to say no mm. if you if you genuinely need the time or you generally don't want to go and there's something else that takes priority over that then saying no is a very difficult exercise so why is it so hard to say no there's a couple of reasons that psychologists state so mm-hmm. fear what of conflict they? Oh. So you don't want to, um, others to be angry at you or you don't want others to be critical. So that's why you then say avoid saying no. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also you don't want to disappoint or hurt other people, which makes sense. Yes, makes sense. And you also, according to psychologists, it's harder for women to say no. Mm. Uh, and that's probably because probably of just like just social, social norms. norms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's interesting that it's an avoidance behavior, actually. I never really thought of it like that. Of saying no, you yeah. Mean? So, as in, you want to avoid uh, conflict. Conflict. Mm. The more you say no, the easier it mm. is to say no. Oh yeah. So since then, yeah. I practiced that, and yeah. actually, I wouldn't say enjoy saying no, but it's just a lot. It's it's it's. I don't feel as bad, mm. and I think it's actually good to think of it as like, for example, today I had to reject something. Yep. In order to do something else. Yep. Okay. And they were both two equally, um, you know, good friends mm. and things. Like no preference over the yeah. other, but it was just that I couldn't physically yeah. do both. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to give your commitment and then not be able to fulfill. For me, that's the worst. Yeah. That's worse than like rejecting them. Yeah. In the first place. You and I are both big on making commitments and not fluffing around. Yes. This <laughs> so, is why we bonded in the first place. Because so we, if you say yes, that you're going to go do something, then you follow up, you keep that promise. That's right. That's right. You follow that. <laughs> so maybe, and maybe that's because I hold that standard to myself. So I do expect other people to do that. Mm. Um, but so if I just set my own boundaries and say, this is what I can do. Mm. And then I can give 100% into that. Mm. That's more effective and more and a better use of time, I think, yeah. than trying to do multiple different yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's, yeah, the idea of, like, spreading yourself too thin, which I think oh, just a lot of people, I think most people that I, that I know and that are my close friends <laughs> experience this. Mm. Um, but it, it just feeds into the culture that we've established with trying to be efficient, trying to maximize our time, trying to be productive um, in our heads, whether, whether that be, which is often equated to actually, you know, going around, keeping busy and doing things. When in fact, um, that is not actually productivity and that mm. is actually not the most efficient way of using your time, even though you may think that it's using your time. It's like, and, and also in your case, for example, like you had to reject something for um, another friend or whatever it may be. Like, there is no reason why you can't postpone one of those mm, things, right? Exactly. Like, so why it comes to negotiation? Yourself? So you referenced uh, a- another favorite book of yours, <laughs> <laughs> "Never Split the Difference." Oh yeah, yeah. I think I've referenced this on a previous yeah, podcast, yeah, you have. but um, so many applicable. It's so things. it's so good, and it's probably life is a whole series that's of negotiations. Exactly what he says. Every conversation yep. that you have, yep, because you have. I want your, an outcome. To yes, be had. and you've mm-hmm. got someone that has their own agenda, and you have your own agenda. So how do yep. you reconcile that? When you speak to someone, um, you should a try and label how they're feeling. 
even though that might sound a bit like, oh, like, why are you trying to... But then, because that um, that basically opens up um, their mind to the idea that you're you're empathetic. Mm. And empathy is, you know, probably the, the most important thing when it comes to um, communication. Yes. And just like everybody wants to be understood. Yes. Who doesn't want to feel understood? Whether it's feigned or not, but yes. Yes, they don't need to know if it's real. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's one thing. And I know we're veering to the topic of communication, but... We'll we'll dedicate a whole episode on on communication in the future because um, you and I share a love of of reading um, books on I suppose like communication and like interpersonal um, skills and stuff and it just ch- it changes and it's, it's cliche but it changes your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing is he says like when you when you're talking to people like for example and we'll bring it back to work life balance because this is episodes about work life balance but it's like if you really are overextending yourself and like when someone says something rather than saying. You were running late. This is terrible. <laughs> Don't be so disrespectful. Yeah. But you, you start off by saying, oh, it sounds like, you know, you're having trouble or it seems like. And just that level of uncertainty kind of mm. puts their defences down mm-hmm. um, because you're, you're then, like, labelling, I guess, a situation that may or may not be true. Mm-hmm. In one of the podcasts at the very end, he was kind of talking to Chris Voss. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you get into the practice of saying no? So it's also you as a person phrasing questions that invites the other person to say no. Yep, um, exactly. And then they then cognitively <laughs> associate you with yeah, <laughs> like yeah. saying no and then so when you say no back to them it's not as bad exactly <laughs> we should just get into a culture breed a culture where everyone just says no to each other <laughs> no i mean obviously you know <laughs> yeah, the yeah things are unnecessary yeah. you can't say no to everything all the time should i give the example that yeah the yeah podcast? yeah it was great so it's like for example amanda if you're going on holidays and you want like a colleague to <laughs> to cover your emails or cover your project mm. um most people would, might go up and be like, you know, is it okay? Is it okay if, if you, you do it? Do this, and most yeah. people would be like, mm, yeah, okay, or yeah. whatever the response. But so at the end of the podcast, um, Chris Boss and the host was saying, like, instead of framing the question, um, can you do this? You mm. ask it, is it a problem if you help cover it? And most people will say, no, it's okay. Yeah. Even, if, even if inside they're <laughs> it's like, because just... it plays on the human desire to, to please the other person. <laughs> so it's just it's just such an interesting like yeah, way dynamic. of reframing, yeah. isn't it? And he actually uses that in his. He said he used that in in the process of negotiating with terrorists. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. So you know, if you, if it works on terrorists, it'll work in your co-work. <laughs> And your friends, <laughs> and your friends. Not not that not that I'm suggesting you manipulate your friends, but um, but it, it does require like a fundamental change in um in your like uh, approach to asking questions. And but well, actually, that that book. When we get to the episode about communication, yeah. um, I'll I'll extract sort of more um definitive t- like um ideas and concepts because it, it's yeah it's it's really good. We didn't really... Uh, did we answer the question? I guess in summary, it can exist. It can if exist. If you make a conscious choice to set your boundaries to whatever suits you. Yeah. Um, whether So whether that be... Yeah. Like, it might not be, mean the same thing to everyone. Because, like, the boundaries thing, I think, would be appropriate for, like, segmenters, right? Mm. But for integrators, that's actually how they prefer to live mm, their life. True. So in that case, do you think they still have work-life balance? Do they have a life? Even though they, <laughs> they bring their work home with them? Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, don't, I can only speak yeah. from a segmenter's perspective. Yep, yep. I guess I'd be interested a... if anyone out there is yeah, an integrator. Yeah, please let us know. I mean, I'm a, I, I'm like a integrator that's under the um, impression that I'm a segmenter, but really, yeah. I think. But I don't know. Like, I, I bring it home, but not like I, I still, I still have a life. I think. And also to understand, I think, like, identify what that means to you. So once you've identified um, what it is that what work life balance is to you. 
then um yeah then live it uh let us know if you're an integrator or a segmenter yeah yeah how do you know if that becomes imbalanced ah <laughs> uh, yes yes um and also if you've had good experiences with using the quadrant um yeah let us know because it's we'll be curious to see if it's just something that like a few people do or if everyone uses them and it just sees it's great <laughs> Rule my and, life. <laughs> and, and also if you if you're looking for a, um, an approach give it a go and and see if it works for you and i guess we can end with a, a quote is <laughs> uh i'm not sure if i made this up or if i heard this from somewhere it's not very evidence-based but i'm just gonna roll with it is making a living is not the same as living life so you know that's a very like segmented point of view, but anyway, I just thought that was that was interesting to, to bring up. Um, I think that's it. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>